Happy New Year, Pastor Happy Pauline. New Happy year. New Year. Thank you. Thank you. Yes, we're going to have a great year. Now, sure. if, you were, if you were here uh, this past couple of weeks, then you know we were heading toward that finish line of 2017. But what a year it's going to be, 2018, and here's why. Because God never changes. He never changes. He is the same yesterday, today, and forever. And so the same God that is faithful throughout 2017 is going to be the same God who is faithful in 2018. Well, tonight, we're actually going to start a new series, and tonight we're going to talk about a subject that hopefully many of us are familiar with. It's called running. Now, it's not about exercise, and here's why. Because the Bible talks about running in a way that it's not necessarily about exercise. Paul the Apostle is going to use an analogy, kind of like an illustration on what it means to run in this life. So we're going to take a look at some values throughout this series and one of them is how we start. Now, I'm just going to ask, any of you ever sprinted? Like in high school or college, you, you did sprinting, okay? Like learned about sprinting. Okay, that's good. So one thing about sprinting is that you have to have a starting block, right? You have that starting block, which you push off of, and all your force is taken off of that starting block. So starting blocks are very, very important, just like tonight, which I'm so thankful we got to gather together to start off our year worshiping God together in this kind of way. So as we go on with the next couple of weeks, we're going to build up some values so that as we start off this new year, we can head into the year with a, with a good force and with a good stride that the Lord would take us through the entire year all intact, that we're intact, that we come out of 2018 stronger and healthier uh, spiritually, and that God would do greater things than we could ever imagine. We're actually going to be in the book of uh, Corinthians, 1 Corinthians chapter 9, and we're going to read from verses 24 through 27. So if you have your Bibles or your Bible app, you can open it up, turn there, 1 Corinthians 9.24. And you can just hold your place there because you really, you really determine the success of a race. If someone's racing, you determine the success of that runner in that race by how they come out of the starting block. That, that split second is so incredibly important that it can change the end result of the race. And so it is with our life, how we come out of this beginning of the new year will determine how we're going to run this new year, how the race is going to be, how our life will be. It's all determined by how we start off. Some of you you look at 2017 and you already have said, I'm going to do this better, I'm going to do this better, I'm going to do this better. And that's great. And so tonight we're going to take a look at some key points, how we can align ourselves with God. I remember in high school and even before that, like Pop Warner football. If any of you ever played sports, the exciting part was watching the game. And, and we all wanted to play the game or be in the game. But what we didn't like was the beginning of practice. We didn't like when practice started. Now, some people did, but some people just loved playing in the game. And if you had a coach that was a good coach, they would say, if you don't practice, then you don't write. You don't play. Practice was very important. And so we, the, the, the part we didn't like about practice was the first two weeks called conditioning. We hated conditioning. Conditioning was those brutal weeks of getting your body conditioned. 
And so the first couple of days, you're, you're dying. Your body is depleted of energy. You can't move. Your muscles are sore, right? Your legs are tight. Your legs are sore. Why? Because you were out of shape. You weren't training. And so now you're going to do some conditioning to get in shape. And so it is with any athlete. That's why they call it off-season training because they train off-season lest they only train during season and they don't become the very best athlete. So it is when we condition ourselves, if we're, if we're coming to that first couple of days, that first week in conditioning ourselves physically, if that's the first time we've done that, our bodies are going to feel the pain. But if you continue on with the conditioning, after a week or two and three or four, after a while, your body is conditioned to do what you were normally not doing the weeks before. Now you can run with stride. Now your muscles are in better shape. You're not in pain after that. And then you get better and better and better. And so it is with our spirit. The first couple of days when you try to learn something new from God, sometimes it's uncomfortable. It's painful. It's, you don't understand everything. It's like when you first read the Bible and you're trying your very best. You're coming out of the starting blocks and you're trying to understand the Bible. It's so easy to give up because we don't understand what we're reading. It's so easy to give up because we don't have the time for it. It's so easy to give up because a lot of things are coming our way and we feel like life is coming against us as well as the enemy himself. And so we feel like giving up. I want to encourage you tonight as we talk about these starting blocks that that's what's going to happen anytime you start anything new for God. It will always be like that because you have an adversary who's not just going to sit on the sideline and watch you get better spiritually and be like, oh, wow, right on, you're doing good. I'm glad that you're getting better in your spirit. I'm glad you're growing in your relationship with the Lord. No, the devil hates when we grow with the Lord. So he's going to throw all kinds of things at us. So when we know that, if you know these things, the Bible even tells us that, if you know these things, then you'll be set free. If you know the truth, then you'll be set free. So when we come out of the starting blocks today, which is the third day of the new year, don't be discouraged when things don't go right. Don't be discouraged when you miss a day or two if you're reading the Bible. Don't be discouraged when someone says something negative to you or, or teases you or says something to put you down. Don't be dismayed by that. In fact, when that happens, use it as an opportunity to build your spirit. Just use it as an opportunity to build your spirit because how you come out of the starting blocks is going to determine how you're going to go into this entire year. There's a place in Corinth that Paul the Apostle is speaking to and he's using an illustration of, like, Olympic Games, a runner in a race. And the reason why he's using this is because that whole entire area was, like, the central uh, uh, landmark for Olympics, uh, the, the Pythian races. Uh, you also had uh, all these different games that they would have combat sports. So you had this entire area where you had these athletes. And Paul is using sports as an analogy to teach us how our spirits can be. So these games that were uh, being uh, run and, and all of the, the, the competition that was happening, we find that Paul is using a competitive spirit or a kind of thinking in a race that we should have in our spirit for when we grow spiritually. And what's interesting is even though he's using this analogy, 
he's likening it in this kind of way because isn't it true that even in our spirits, we get beat down. We get fatigued. We become tired. And Paul uses the illustration of an athlete, of a race, because we can understand that. And he says, you understand this, now liken it to your spirit. The games that were, uh, ha- that were being done was in this one place called Ithmus in Corinth. And Isthmus is actually a narrow strip of land with water on each side that joins two bigger, larger pieces of land together. So this place in Corinth is just this flat piece of land, which today is thriving. I mean, uh, we're now thousands of years later, and this one area still has the, the different stadiums that they used to have these games in. Some of them, they, they kind of sparked up the games again, and it's not like, you know, world known. It's just, you know, like a, a, a fun thing to do, but... This one area is where Paul is referring to, and these festivals actually focused more on the, the combat sports. Uh, it focused on wrestling. It, it focused on uh, just the, the athleticism of certain individuals. Now, we'll watch movies, and we'll think to ourselves, what, how good were they as athletes? Because today we watch our athletes, and they're super good. But these athletes, they were athletes. They were strong they were vibrant. And when Paul brings this scripture that we're going to read, he's saying it in such a way that causes the people to kind of lean in. And so tonight, I would hope that you would lean in. These victors, those who won the races, they actually won a crown of like celery. They would have celery, a crown of celery. And the reason why they would use these different objects is to show them that they won. Or, and then they changed it to pine leaves. But then after a while they used this crown that was valued at, at today's wages, like 100 days wages. Well, back then, it was like $5,000. So when they received this crown, this prize, it was valuable. So when Paul talks about winning the prize, he's talking about a value that they look forward to. So I'm going to read in verse 24, 1 Corinthians chapter 9. And Paul is speaking about this this athleticism and what is required for us to win the race so he he starts off in this way he says do you not know in other words he's using a rhetorical question kind of like you guys are you guys are familiar with this he's almost saying you you are athletes and you know athletes you know what it takes to to run you know what it takes to get better at a sport he's saying you know these things so do you not know that in a race all the runners run but only one gets the prize And he says, run in such a way as to get the prize. Everyone who competes in the games goes into strict training. They do it to get a crown that will not last. You know how long celery lasts? It doesn't last too long, especially with peanut butter. It doesn't last forever. But we do it to get a crown that will last forever. In other words, Paul is saying you're doing it for something temporary. But we run this race in our life spiritually with God that will last forever. That's a crown that lasts forever. So he's giving them this spiritual meaning, and they're trying to put two of them together. Like, yeah, you're right. The crown doesn't last forever. But what crown are you talking about, Paul? So Paul continues on. He says, because of that, therefore, I do not run like someone running aimlessly. I do not fight like a boxer beating the air. No, I strike a blow to my body and make it my slave so that after I have preached to others, I myself will not be disqualified for the prize. 
So when Paul uses this illustration, he's saying, either you're going to be a runner or a spectator. You cannot be both. You're either going to run or watch the runner. You cannot be both. And what he's saying here is, as people who believe in God, we are all in this race. The moment we said yes to Jesus, you bloop, out of the world and bloop, in the arena of the kingdom. And we all have a race to run. So what Paul is saying is, you either are going to run or you're going to be a spectator. But what you cannot do is be a running spectator and think you're going to win. And sometimes we do that. We're running spectators. We're in the arena. We're labeled as runners. We're called by God, but we spectate. And he's saying that's not your role. You can't be a running spectator. You're a runner. You're in this race to win, that you run in such a way as to win. That's the mentality that Paul is saying you need to have as a believer. He's saying when you're in the world, everything was done for temporary gain, for a crown that does not last. But when you come into the kingdom, now you're in an arena that you receive a crown that lasts forever. That's why we have what we call our Wednesday nights. We call it equip and disciple because Wednesday nights are more for us as the believers. If you come on a Sunday morning, the message is geared differently because it's geared towards those who don't know Jesus. It's geared in such a way or, or presented, the gospel is presented in such a way that you and I, as we invite our friends and family members who don't know Christ, they can receive with understanding and they'll be able to say, I want to be a runner too. But once we become a runner, once we say, I want to follow Jesus, now we come here on Wednesday nights, now we're trying to learn even greater ways how we can run with the Lord and run in this life in such a way that we win and not just spectate anymore. See, everything we do in the kingdom of God must have a purpose to it. Everything we do must have a purpose. Everything God is doing in your life has a purpose. He doesn't just bring in a life and then goes to waste. He says, no, I'm going to call you and you're going to be my child and you're going to have a purpose in this life. You have meaning in this life. I created you for a purpose. Therefore, you're going to go into strict training. Oh, you're not going to just be trained. You're going to go into strict training. You're not just going to go walking around. No, you're going to go into strict training. Why? Because you're on the battlefield now. Well, I don't like being on the battlefield. I like go back. No, you don't want to go back. We know what it was like in the world, and God says, this is the world, temporary. This is the kingdom. This is eternal. Yeah, but more hard. No, it's more rewarding. Much more rewarding. We're still hard in the world. Either way we go, it is difficult. Why? Because we have sin and an adversary. So I don't know about you. I'd rather be on the winning team and doing these things for a crown that lasts forever. But it's going to be strict training. You go to any athlete that is successful. You watch their training. They train in greater ways than someone who is less than of an athlete or is not as, uh, you know, uh, breaking records or in the elite group. There's something different that separates those in the elite, those who are Hall of Famers and those who are successful, than those who just play the game. And it's all in their strict discipline, in their training. Uh, in, in February, February 16th and 17th, which is the Friday and Saturday, we are having our pause conference, which is our marriage conference. 
and that is part of strict training. It's doing things that help us to become stronger in our relationships, our marriages, family. We do things like this so that we go into strict training because we want to be successful in our marriages. We want to be successful in our relationships. So our pause conference coming up, that's something that I love attending because it gives me tools for strict training. It helps me to understand why I'm married and how to make my marriage successful. It's not about what I do. It's what God wants for me in this strict training. And is it difficult in marriage? Absolutely. But God says, I'm going to train you for it. And then when Paul says, you got to run in such a way that you win, that you're going for a prize. In other words, Paul is saying, make the prize yours. You just make the prize yours. Like when you, if you're going to enter a, some type of competition, there must be some type of end goal that you want. For some people, like coming up, it's the Super Bowl. For some of you, you think your team is going to win, which is okay. I know my team is not. They're gone. My team is Detroit, so they're like way out. But those who are going for the Super Bowl, they're not entering say, oh, I, I just, I just want to play in the Super Bowl. That would be such a great dream. I just want to play in the Super Bowl. I just want to be in the environment. No, what do they want? They want the Lombardi Trophy. That's what they want. So they have a goal. So their strict training is not just to train so that I feel better. It's to win the prize. Now for us, in our life, in our, in our walk with God, the prize that we obtain is a solid relationship with God. And it's an eternal one. And when he says, I'm going I'm to train you, I'm going to help you along the way so that you get better and better and better. If you want to get better in your marriage, you're going to go through strict training in your marriage. If you want to be better as a parent, you're going to go through strict training as a parent. So you know those times when your children give you hard times? Yeah, you're in strict training. That's what's happening. You're in training. I mean, it's, it's easy to get frustrated and say, but I'm failing. I feel like I'm failing. No, you're not. You're in strict training. You know when you and your spouse fight? Yeah, you're in strict training. You're in training. You're like, wow, I've been in training for 40 years. You're, you're, you're in training. Maybe you've got to learn something. Learn it quickly. But you're in training. That's the mentality Paul says you have to have. Otherwise, you think that this is how the race is going to be the rest of your life. He says, no, this is the training part so that you win with the crown that doesn't fade away. He says, make the prize yours, and you have to have an ultimate goal. He says, you don't run aimlessly. You don't beat the air aimlessly. In other words, we stay focused on the race before us. I was playing a, a baseball with my grandchildren. I have three, and eight years old, six years old, four years old, right? Four, six, eight. So we're playing baseball. Now with baseball, rules are simple. You hit the ball, you run to first base. If you can, run to second or third or come all the way home. Very simple, right? So here's Papa teaching them baseball. And all you need to do is when you hit the ball, run to this base, run to this base, run to down, run home. Got it? Yay! They hit the ball. Where did they run? Anywhere. <laughs> They're just running to any base. And I'm like, what are you doing? It's, uh, the ball, th this is first base. But they ran in that, to that base because it was farther from me. So because they hit the ball to first base and I grabbed it, they saw me and ran to third. And then they ran home. Yay! I'm like, you can't, no, you can't run to third and come home. 
I, I wish I videoed this. It was so frustrating to me. I was frustrated. And I thought, wait a minute. He's four years old. He's six years old. And eight, well, the eight-year-old should get it. But I found myself thinking, why am I getting so frustrated? They're learning this game. And so now when they play, now they know where to run. And once in a while, the four-year-old, he gets kind of run to third base, run to second, run straight home. He does that. But it's okay right now. Why? Because he's learning. And so when they learn these things and they're learning about the game, yeah, they're going to run anywhere. But after a while, they're going to learn to run to first base, second, third, then home. If when they learn this and they play a game and run anywhere they want, now that's a problem. Imagine major leagues. Yeah, Derek Jeter's last game. Hits it out into outfield, and he thinks to himself, eh, I'm Derek Jeter, I'm going to run to third. It wouldn't work. It doesn't matter who he is. First of all, people would be like, what in the world is he doing? But it's not going to work. And no one would expect him to do that. If he did that, what would people think? Right. See, you and I, as believers, as we learn and grow, we know how to run the bases. Now, if we're new as believers and we're learning, yeah, sometimes we're going to run to third, we're going to run to second. Sometimes we just stay at home and say, I might as well stay here. I'm going to be here anyway. I score. I win. We can understand that in the beginning. Our spiritual walk with God, we're learning. But as we grow in the Lord, he says, you know where to run. You know how to do this. So when you run, you run in such a way that you win. Because in life, if you... If you just run in any direction, then life will take you in every direction. And then you're going to be standing in the middle of the field and you're going to be thinking, where, I don't even know where to go. It's like God is saying, there's a systematic way that I've been training you. That you're a believer now. You're not who you, was, who you was before. You're, you're different now. So I'm going to put you into strict training so that you can run. And so that you can run in such a way that you win. He doesn't want us to just run in any direction. He wants us to be focused. Because he has a goal in our life and he has a mission for us. We don't want to run aimlessly. We want to be focused. Lest after we have preached to others, as Paul says, I myself might become disqualified. In other words, people are going to see us running aimlessly and then we're going to say, hey, you need to follow Jesus. Follow Jesus? You can run like that. I ain't following Jesus if I'm going to run like that. Is that how life is with Jesus? No, it's not. Life with Jesus is the best life, but he says, you're going to have to learn how to run in this race. Now, we may look at our past and say, oh my goodness, this, 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 and this is wrong. Well, we are in 2018, so what we're going to do tonight is we're going to come out of the starting blocks and do it in such a way that we are focused and we can aim and we know where we're going. There's a runner by the name of Usain Bolt. Many of you know who he is. World records, fastest man, top speeds of almost 28 miles an hour. I think it was 28, 27 point something or something like that. Maybe I'm wrong. Maybe it's 23.9, 26.2. Anyway, he's fast. <laughs> they did the sports science on this guy. And so what I want to kind of draw out, let me move this here, is what makes him such an elite runner out of the starting block. So when he runs, um, okay, um, 
is his running. And then, okay. Okay, good. Okay, so this is Usain Bolt, and he's coming out of the starting block. And this is what they, what they learned about him. And they did it in slow motion, and they watched him how he did this. And so when they kind of measured him to and um, kind of compared him to other runners, they found out this, that out of the starting block, when he first comes out of the starting block, he has his whole body in alignment. It, it, he comes out of it. It's called the line of attack. When he comes out, he comes out with an alignment where his ankles, his knees, his hip, and his shoulder are all in alignment, straight. And they compared it to all the other runners. They're hunched down. Their, their knees are too high. And as he comes out of the starting block like this, because he's in alignment, it gives him the greatest force forward because he's in alignment. The second thing they notice is this foot right here is very low to the ground. It's very, it's shallow. So when he comes out of the, out of the starting block, his foot doesn't do this like most runners and then level off. His foot comes like this. So it's shorter to the ground, and he saves a split of a second on his running. So he runs more flat than anyone else who's kicking up. So his speed is that much faster, and he has a longer stride. So because of this, his second step, he's able to come out with full force. And then because he's stretched out, his hip flexor, that tendon there or that, that, that uh, muscle there, is at maximum capacity. So he's using his maximum capacity of stretching out out of the starting block so that by the time he's heading down a couple of meters, he's ahead of everyone, even by a split second. And part of it is how he comes out of the starting block. So when I looked at this, I thought, wait a minute, this makes sense. Because when, when we are, number one, aligned with God, then that gives us the greatest force forward when we're aligned with God. If we're out of alignment with God, then isn't life sluggish? Doesn't, like, like certain things happen in our life and it rattles us so much more than if we're aligned with God. And because we're in line, uh, aligned with God, when there are certain things that hit us, because we're in alignment with him, we hear him better, quicker. We understand him. And when he speaks to us, whether it's through his word or in prayer, we, we understand clearly because we're in alignment with him. And because of that alignment, it helps us to move forward. But the second thing is this. It's keeping low to the foundation. In other words, you stay close. You stay close to your foundation. Now, what is our foundation? Our foundation is Christ. In fact, 1 Corinthians 3 verse 10 tells us because of God's grace to me, and this is Paul the Apostle speaking, I have laid the foundation like an expert builder. Now others are building on it, but whoever is building on this foundation must be very careful for no one can lay any foundation other than the one we already have, which is Christ Jesus. 
So as close as, stay as close as possible to Jesus Christ. Because when you're staying close to him, even should he whisper, you can hear him. And with all the noise that goes on around us, if we just keep including things and we get close to other things and farther from God, we're not going to hear him as much. Sometimes people ask me, how do I know if God is speaking? Because I don't hear him. My response is simple. He's always speaking. He is always speaking. He speaks through his word. He gave us his word. He's always speaking. The question is, am I close enough to hear him? Because that's the foundation that we build our life on. And then the last thing, just like when he stretches out, the third thing is to maximize your potential or my potential. That's my handwriting. I write in Chinese too. So you maximize your potential. And the reason why, it's your, you, the reason why we say maximize your potential is because God gave us potential. He gave us a life to live. And he doesn't want us to live our life in mediocrity. He wants us to live our life with maximum potential. That's why God is trying to bring out of us the potential he sees in us. And it is challenging because we're going to hit obstacles. We're going to hit some times where we feel lonely. We are fearful. Sometimes we're ashamed. Sometimes we don't want to uh, hurt anyone or we don't want to offend someone. And so we're, we're more on the shy side and we, we lay back a little bit. Or sometimes we, we don't have the confidence. We want to do things for the Lord, but we're just not confident. We want to maximize our potential, but we don't know how to. Well, God does. That's why our relationship with him is so important. That's why we talk about doing our daily devotions, getting into the word of God. When you get into the word of God, it, it changes this right here. Instead of having minimum potential, we begin to maximize our potential because that's where God partners with us. It's in maxing out our potential. When he first created us and he thought of us, he says, I'm going to give you life and life abundant. So he's going to maximize that potential. But really, it's going to happen when we come out of these starting blocks. And whenever we come out of these start, the starting blocks aligned close to Jesus, he maximizes our potential. I would hope that in 2018 that we would see our potential maximized. Pick one area in your life. Let's just say as a father, you're saying, I want to maximize my potential. Then focus on that. Run that race. Or as a mother or as a spouse, a husband or wife, or maybe you're at your workplace, you want to be influential for the gospel, but you know in your work environment, you got to do it in such a way that, that people can receive, that you're not shoving Jesus down people's throats or, or coming across people with the Bible and saying, you need to listen to the Bible. You're doing it in such a way that people can find Christ. That's why we say we reach people far from God one relationship at a time. It's through relationship that we're going to reach people. That's the vision of our church. And the hope is that they come to know Jesus as Lord and Savior. This is who God has called us to be. We're all runners in this arena. We can't be a running spectator. And so this year, as we start off coming out of the blocks, be aligned, stay close, maximize your potential. Let God do that. Because you're, you determine your foundation, not by, what, not by what we say, but by how we live. I determine my foundation not by what I say. I can say the right things, but if how I live is opposite, then, then my foundation is, is weakened. 
So I want to I have a strong foundation, not by what I say, but, but how I live. And that's what Jesus says, that people will know that you're my disciples if you have love for one another, to bear fruit and fruit that remains. In other words, there's something that's seen. Or as he says in the book of Matthew, let your light so shine before men that they may see your good works and glorify your Father in heaven. In other words, people can see us running. And they're going to look at that and say, boy, I, that's what's missing in my life. I need, I need God. See, God is not going to use your perfection to reach people. He's going to use your failures. Because he's perfect. And he'll use our failures. He'll use our imperfections so that they see a perfect God. That's why Paul the Apostle was the very one who said, I am the chief of all sinners, but thanks be to God's grace. His grace is sufficient. So if you think you have to live a perfect life to run this race, you're definitely wrong. The way you run this race is you follow Jesus. In fact, this Sunday, that's what we're going to start off with, is following Jesus. That Jesus said three simple words, come follow me. He didn't say, hey, get your act together first. He didn't say, you need to be perfect first. Or you need to get this out of your life first. No, he said, come follow me. Yeah, but I'm doing these things. Yeah, but along the way, I'm going to help you. He runs with us. Because Jesus is not a spectator. He's a runner. And he's the one that ran before us so that we could see how to run. He's the perfect example of a runner. He aligned himself with God. In John chapter 17, you read his prayer. And Jesus often went alone to pray. He aligned himself with God. Talk about maximizing his potential. At age 33, he went to the cross, died for our sins, changed history. Not just history in our world, because there are many history changers in our world. He changed eternity. He maximized his potential at a young age of 33 and changed eternity. His heart was so close to the Father. That's why people wondered, why is he calling God Abba? Why is he calling him Daddy? That's a relational word, but that's how close he was to his father. So in 2018, let's be these kinds of people. We align ourselves with God, stay close to Jesus so that he can maximize our potential. Can we do that? Let's just go for it in 2018. Let's be those kinds of people. Amen? Let's say amen to that too. <clears throat> You can close your Bibles and put away your notes, and we're going to close in prayer. You know, Paul used these three areas in alignment, staying close and, and maximizing our potential. But the tough part is going to come when we have to be consistent in being consistent. So we're going to pray for being consistent, working on self-discipline, self-control. All of that is in this area. So we're going to be trained, and although it's going to be difficult, it's all worth it in the end because it's a crown that will last forever. Don't be discouraged. In fact, I would want to encourage you, find a group of people. 2018, find a group of people. Some men, uh, if, you're, if you're a man, some men, or if you're a married couple, find a, uh, some married couples. Even if it's three or four people, form a group together. We call them small groups, life groups. Just be a group of people together and be accountable to each other. Not to judge one another, but to encourage each other, 
that if, if as the time goes by in this year, as, as the days go by and the months go by, that you see your brother or sister slipping or falling, don't point fingers. Reach out your hand and say, hey, let's get back in the game. No, but I fell, I, I dropped. I, yeah, but you're still a runner. If you're running and you trip and fall, you're still in the race. So we encourage each other. Find a group of people. And you might think, but I don't have time. Start with what you can. Start with what you can. If it's during lunch break or a phone call or FaceTime or, or online, whatever, whatever you can do, just think, how can I connect with people? If you're going to, before you go to work, maybe take a 15-minute uh, extra time before work and just grab a couple of people. Not just grab. Say, me, 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 me. Just find people that love God, love you, and want to grow in their relationship with God. And just take a couple of minutes and pray for each other. Uh, Heidi guys did a, a, a walk the other day, a hike. And they did like a six-mile hike. And it was just a group of people that got together, did a six-mile hike. I was like, six-mile hike? I'll go, I'll go call you from my phone. Tell me what happened. Six miles. But they come back refreshed. It wasn't about how far they walked. It was the time they got to spend together. If you're going to go for a walk with someone, do that. If you're going to go for a hike, go to the beach, paddle canoe, just have a picnic, go eat ice cream, I'll join that group. But whatever you're going to do, just do it together as a group because we need one another. The Bible even tells us when two are together and one falls, the other can help them up. So find a group. And you initiate it. Don't wait for someone to come up to you. You initiate it. And just say, just, you know, just ask. And say, hey, would you want to form a group? Maybe just three or four of us, whatever it is. You don't want it to be too big lest it doesn't become as intimate and that you can share with one another or pray for each other. Just find a group. Make a group. If you need help, talk to Pastor Marcia. She can help you form that. She has some ideas that will help. We have Rooted and Growing. You can start there and then just branch off from Rooted and Growing and make your own. It doesn't matter if it's a New Hope thing. What matters is if it's a God thing. And then you form that and you stay close to God and see what he does some of you have uh, the Bible app version. I have that. Uh, some of you have plans, and we invite each other to these different plans, and you just do some devotions together. It's like 15 minutes, but it's just another way to connect. Just think of how you can connect with someone else and start it, and then see what God does through that and see that he doesn't maximize your potential. Let's pray together. Let's, let's bow our heads for a moment. Oh, Lord, we are so grateful that not only do we enter this year with you, but we enter this year coming out of the starting blocks with full force. You have given us a way to be in alignment with you. Our heart is to stay close to you, that, that even if you should whisper, we would hear your voice. Lord, we pray that you would maximize our potential. I pray for every person here tonight. I pray that if they're, if they're living a single life, Lord, that you would build in them the spirit that you first gave them, that you breathed into them, that you would build their foundation, that you would make them stronger and stronger every day that goes by, that you would build their spiritual maturity, strengthen them, Lord, even in their weakness, you can be strong. Lord, I pray for our marriages. I pray that you would strengthen our marriages, that we would be the kinds of people that, that, that gives an example to the world on what marriages should look like. And I pray that we would love one another as husband and wife, that we would be so close to you 
that because we're drawing near to you, we automatically draw near to one another. I pray for our families, our children, our parents, that we would become the family you first thought of when you created us as family, that we would become stronger as a family, that even though we have differences and when we go through difficulties, I pray that you would keep us on the same side as you, that we would encourage each other and strengthen each other rather than point out faults and pick on each other, but that we would build each other up. Lord, this is a new year. Do a new thing. I pray for our workplaces, our work environments, Lord, that we would be effective as believers, not Bible pushers or thumpers, but people that represent you well, that we would love people into your kingdom, that we would be influencers in our world so that people can find hope in you. We also pray that if we should ever come across anyone that maybe they're searching, they're looking, they're looking for hope, that we as believers would carry that torch, that light into the world, that it pierces the darkness and people can find their way home to you. Lord, I pray for us as a church that we would be that beacon of hope, that we would be a light that is on this hill in Waikeauka, that we would shine in such a way that people would be able to find you May we be effective this year and so effective that all of heaven rejoices. I pray for all of our teams of people, those who have decided to serve you and those who attend and those who have put their hands to the plow. I pray, Lord, that your anointing would be over them, that nothing would phase them this year, that you would bring your shield of protection, your shield of faith, so that if any flaming arrows come our way from the enemy, that we would be able to withstand the fiery darts of the enemy. So we trust you, Lord. We know that you are always doing great things because you are our foundation, and no other foundation can be laid than the one that is already laid in Christ Jesus. We thank you for being our God. In Jesus' name we pray. We all said together, amen, amen. Let's start off this year right in 2018.